You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. As promised, we are going to do some rapid-fire voicemail answering as you guys have continued to bring it with your off-season questions, concerns, hopes, dreams, and fears. So, without further ado, David, who do we have up first? Um, We have Chris from Virginia. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris from Virginia at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. So just some some thoughts I was having as we approach uh, free agency and in, in the draft. Um, what, I, what I've heard a long time ago in regards to what free agency is and what the draft is, the draft is is you draft based on what your team needs. Okay? So uh, brings me to my next point. Like when you look offensively, do we really, I wasn't sure if we really have a need or we just have holes. And Free agency is all about filling in those holes, but the draft is all about filling in those needs. So kind of thinking about that going into it, I think you could see some moves made in the free agency to kind of um, fill in those holes on the offensive line or running back uh, room. And then in the draft, you can pretty much reload. You you can go every draft pick defensively if you wanted to. So that's just kind of my thoughts on where I sit with that. Um, And then just two examples real quick. What the Rams did is they used, instead of the draft, they used their draft picks to get established players to win now. Um, I I don't really see Bucks doing that type of of move. And another example would be what John Gruden did in Oakland. You know, he had had 10 years on his contract, so he knew he had time. He wasn't going to get fired in year three if the team doesn't win. So he has um, has a little bit more time to where he could strip that roster to its uh, foundation and then reload through the draft. And that's what you're seeing uh, in Oakland right now. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, on what do you think the Bucks will do as far as offensively? Are they going to look for free agency, fill those holes, and then are they just going to draft uh, for needs on defense? Because I think that defense just it, it, there's not a lot of talent. We have talented players on defense, but I wouldn't say you know it's as talented as our offense. So I just think, uh, especially with Todd Bowles bringing some uh, infusion of talent on that defensive side of the ball throughout the draft, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, great job, guys! Uh, winning the Pewdie, go Bucks! All right, Chris, thank you for the phone call. Much appreciated. A lot to dive into there. First off, I I would say that there are needs on offense. Um, Running back is certainly a need at this moment in time. Um, You look at the offensive line. They they need help on the offensive line. It's not so much that there's holes as there is guys who are underperforming, guys whose health is beyond questionable and and may need to be replaced. And then you take a look at the, the free agency landscape. Yeah. Should the bucks move on from Deshaun Jackson to save that $10 million. And then Adam Humphreys leaves in free agency to go play for new England or Los Angeles or Carolina. Even Um, now you're looking at a wide receiver core that goes from a strength to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And then you have, Justin Watson, like 
that creates a need. So, you know, the, the thing about free agency is you're, I, I want to say, and I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure what I've heard before is you use free agency to fill needs. You use the draft to take the best player you can and build for the future. So the Bucks don't have a whole lot of wiggle room in free agency right now. Of course, they did release Vinnie Curry, uh, and that saved $8 million uh, on uh, on the cap. But yeah, you know, there's there's going to be a whole lot in in you know in the coming weeks and and then you know the next month and a half or so that this this team is really going to change the way that it looks. Yeah, I kind of look at a new coaching staff similar to bring a new fan into the fan base. Um, obviously, a new coaching staff is going to be a little bit more football savvy than the new fan is, right? But it's essentially the same thing, and that's something I think that that some Bucks fans are going to have a hard time swallowing if some of these moves go down because there are fan favorites on this team, like Adam Humphreys, like Cameron Brait, like Quan Alexander, and they're fan favorites. And maybe they were favorites of the last coaching staff, but the last coaching staff is gone, and fans don't make decisions. So some of these guys could be on their way out, um, and it's not so much that they aren't what the fans say they are, like if Adam Humphreys doesn't get a new contract and he's allowed to go uh, shop himself around and get paid by somebody else to to go do what he does for Tampa, it's not that Jason Light didn't value him. It's not that the Glazers didn't appreciate it. It's it's that this coaching staff didn't see the purpose of you know investing as much cap room as they would have had to to keep him in order to accomplish what they were trying to do. They saw that they they saw that they could do it in a different manner, which was smarter fiscally for the team. And if that's the case and Jason Light takes that recommendation from the coaching staff, then it is what it is. But what the Rams did is the Rams pushed all their chips in the middle of the table and said, we're winning right now while Jared Goff is on a rookie contract. And it didn't work in 2018. That doesn't mean it's not going to work in 2019, but it didn't work in 2018. They were in that position to do that. At least they, they thought they were, and they were proved right by the course of the season. Now, what they've also done by doing that which is is fine to a certain extent, is kind of shrink their own window to about four years uh, or less, depending on how the contracts are all structured. And I don't know enough about the Rams contracting to really comment on that. But that's something that they felt they could do because they felt like they were right there on the cusp. The Buccaneers aren't necessarily on the cusp. And I say that understanding every year that any team could possibly turn it on and win. So that's not to say I, I think the Bucs have zero chance of putting together a championship run. Of course, I think they do. But I think that the Rams felt they were closer than perhaps the Buccaneers feel. So as far as needs on offense versus defense, Bruce Arians is that has been pretty candid about where he feels like the team needs uh, its biggest improvements. And he's said the defense needs help, the offensive line needs help, uh, and the running game needs help. Now, with the offensive line, if you if you think about what he said, he specifically said whether it's new pieces or current pieces doing better, the offensive line needs to get better. So he's not saying that he's replacing anybody on the offensive line. And I'm not, honestly, I don't know that he really should replace anybody on the offensive line, which I'm going to get murdered for. But defense, he said, we got to get better on defense. So there's priority one. Running game is also a priority. However, two of those things link together, and that's the offensive line and the running game. If the offensive line gets better, the running game is going to get better. Payne Barber is restricted free agent. There's zero reason for the Buccaneers not to bring him back. Unless Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich just don't see 
Peyton Barber being a contributor, which is possible. There's no reason other than that that they won't that they won't bring Peyton Barber back. So defense, I think, is the focus. Offensive line, and I kind of started thinking about this a little bit when we were talking to Ryan, and he kind of talked about it. We brought it up, but like I brought up a, a, an article written in the Athletic by a retired NFL center who talked about just how critical the relationship between the center and the quarterback really is because one of them is calling signals. They can't both be calling signals, right? If Ryan Jensen and Jameis Winston weren't on the same page, which is almost impossible to say that they were on the same page last year, your offensive line is already behind the, the eight ball. And from that point on, you're just getting worse. And it's important to remember that that offensive line had three new starters at positions of, of that offensive line. That's huge. Okay. And then DeMar Dotson's getting older. Donovan Smith, uh, I felt like was having a be- his his best year early on. And then towards the end of the season, kind of like what Ryan said, he got better again. But because of that little middle middle spurt where he really kind of struggled, it really kind of put a damper on the whole thing uh, altogether. So I'm not really sure that I'm sold on replacing anybody on the offensive line, to be quite honest with you. But there's, there's needs all across the board. The only place where there's not a need is at Mike Evans' position. <laughs> and that is specifically the wide receiver one, not wide receivers in general, right? That's the X. Well, with Arians, you never know who's who. He right. And I was in, he are. lines up. Yeah. He, he lined up anywhere too, but yeah, we'll just call him the X. So, so there you go there. You have one position. I'm the guy that tells everybody to be optimistic. I literally just said the bucks have one secured position on their team. <laughs> well, quarterback, um, we know, we know no, Arians is rolling with Jameis quarterback. Well, yeah, yeah but, but there's yeah, a need but... there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there's every, every single position on the field. There is a need for improvement. Some of those improvements oh, okay. are going to come you. via replacements. Some of those are going to come via coaching scheme. Some of those are going to come via that player being better. Um, I have a saying at work. I tell my people all the time as we're leaving for the day, I tell them to suck less tomorrow. And, <laughs> uh, it's a motivational tool, which if you know me, actually, they actually enjoy it. They like it. But then sometimes I have the habit of saying to somebody who doesn't actually know me and they get kind of offended sometimes. But, I'm going to start saying that to my boss at the end of my work day every day. I'm yeah. just going to text and be like, I promise to suck less tomorrow. No, you know what? So that's the thing. Like, it's it's really not an offensive phrase. It's and really not when you I'll, think I'll about it. My, yeah, that's, like, that's kind of a life mantra. Like, suck less today than you did yesterday. And you're always going to be moving forward. I don't see a problem with it. All right, let's go ahead and get over to the next voicemail. Hey, James and David. It's Chef Aaron calling back. Yeah. I'm just uh, at a loss for words now when it comes to the media and the whole Jameis Winston uh, scapegoating. It's just like today on uh, NFL Network, I saw Carson Palmer on obviously promoting Super Bowl week, and they were asked about, uh, or he was asked about Bruce Arians and uh, Jameis Winston and all that stuff. And Steve Smith had the audacity to say, with Jameis, he can win with him? I swear to God, does Steve, does Steve Smith watch anybody else other than Cam Newton? Because I don't ever see him critique any other quarterback in the NFL and he sure as hell does not know a damn thing about Jameis Winston to be so pessimistic about him. It's like, number one, the coach did not have any uh, wants with Jameis whatsoever. You could cost, you could tell Buddy in there how it was uh, even at the beginning where Dirk Carter said that he didn't even want him uh, in the first place. He wanted Mariota, or he preferred Mariota. But it's just, and now I'm seeing more reports from uh, Joe Buck's fan of uh, Deshaun Jackson's basic uh, laissez-blah attitude towards practice and developing a connection and all that stuff with Jameis and all that. 
It's like, when's the scapegoating of James going to end? Deshaun Jackson did not care. Deshaun Jackson was lazy. I like Chris Baker, shockingly enough. And I, I just, I'm at my wit's end with the scapegoating of Jameis. I cannot wait until he is just shutting people up left and right because you can fault him for his off-the-field stuff if you want. I have no problem with that whatsoever. He deserves it, and he's earned uh, all the criticism and all the backlash that he's gotten off the court, off the field. But on the field, he, uh, in third down, or in, uh, what is it, quarterbacks under pressure, he ranked at the top of the league, and everybody acts like he's a freaking bust. It just pisses me off to no end. The scapegoating of Jameis, and it has to end. All right, Chef, thank you for the, um, we'll say animated, animated phone call. Uh, yeah, you seemed a little uh, seemed a little frustrated, but I get it. Um, I know exactly what you were talking about. I actually wrote about that uh, that interview with Carson Palmer on BucksNation.com. First off, when it comes to the Buccaneers, not just Jameis, but the Buccaneers in general, don't listen to Steve Smith ever, ever. He does not like the Buccaneers. That that feud between those Panthers teams and those John Gruden Buccaneers teams are so entrenched in him. He's he's never going to give the Bucks their due ever. So just don't listen to Steve Smith ever. Second, I'll tell you exactly when when all of the stuff you know using Jameis as a scapegoat is going to stop. He has to lead the team to the postseason. That's when it'll stop. Get them to the postseason. Win a playoff game. That's when it'll stop. Until then, he has he has stats and he has numbers and he has, you know, that kind of stuff. He doesn't have the success to get the people that don't like him to back off. All it all they have is fuel right now. He's going into his fifth year. As a NFL quarterback, he has one winning season, zero playoff appearances, and way too many turnovers. So until he gets them to the postseason, it's it's not going to stop. So you just kind of, at this point, you have to shake it off, shrug it off, you know, however you want to put it. You have to let the the people that, that hate on him just pretty much do so because they're not going to change their mind until he does something on the field besides you know, pad stats, it's, it's, they're not going to back off. He has to have success. And it goes back to the whole, the quarterback gets too much credit for a win and too much blame for a loss and yada, yada, yada. But people use the postseason as the measuring stick for quarterbacks. Jameis has to get them there. He needs to win a game in the postseason. And then the, the quote unquote haters will begin to lose their fuel. Steve Smith reminds me of Tom Cruise. Wow, that is did you pull a back muscle, you know, working on that reach? No. Okay. And here's why. All right. So, so Maybe why. I'll apologize. I'll, <laughs> I'll wait. Because Tom Cruise has had a, a pretty successful career in his profession, right? Mhm. Uh not the best, but most would say he's among the best. He he has some heaters. Right. For sure. Yeah. He's definitely got some some bright spots, but nobody's ever gonna say he's he's the best in his in what he does. He's just but he's definitely up there, right? A lot of respect. So but here's the thing Tom Cruise is not a technical actor. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, and he's Tom Cruise in every single movie that he does. It just happens to work for him. 
and it just happens to be successful. You can't put Tom Cruise in Shakespeare and make it work. It's just not going to happen. Steve Smith, pretty good at what he does. Nobody's going to call him the best, but he'll call him he's, the best. He's up there and he's got, well, okay. Tom Cruise probably <laughs> call himself the best too, but he's got some bright spots, right? However, it's not because Steve Smith is this great technician and wide receiver holistically. It's because it just so happens that what he does worked for him. I have never seen Steve Smith say anything and and wow and wow me or teach me anything that I didn't know. There are very few people on the NFL network that I don't really enjoy listening to talk and I think bring value to what shows they're on. He's one of them. Um Donald Penn was on NFL Network during Super Bowl week for like 10 minutes and that dude dropped more knowledge uh than I think Steve Smith probably has. Um be quite honest with you uh yeah and they're both really short so it all kind of ties together stop listening to steve smith chef <laughs> but okay so as far as Jameis though so that's my steve smith thing right so kind of like what james said um yeah I don't, I don't i don't take anything steve smith says seriously um but with Jameis, honestly listen <clears throat> this is all self-created okay when you're the number one overall draft pick if you don't win a super bowl in your first contract people are gonna start questioning whether you're worth being the number one draft pick and I know that he didn't pick himself, but he wanted to be there. He said he wanted to be there. He wanted to be the number one guy. He thought he was better than Marcus Mariota. He wanted to be picked over Marcus Mariota. So he asked for it. As much as he didn't pick himself, he asked for it. And then getting in trouble in the NFL uh, doesn't help. Um, some of the dumb turnovers don't help. And, yes, guys like Aaron Rodgers, guy like, guys like Phillip Rivers, um, they have dumb turnovers too. They ha- I've seen Aaron Rodgers throw a ball 15 yards shy of – uh, Devonte Adams, who was running a post, and he thought he was running it in for some reason. Like, I've seen it. You've seen it. We've all seen it. Got it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl ring. Aaron Rodgers has been to the Pro Bowl without having to be a replacement player. Aaron Rodgers has been on the All Pro list. Um, some of those things aren't James's fault. Um, some of them are, but at the end of the day, he's going to be blamed because he's the quarterback, and this is part of the quarterback life. It's like the lead singer. If if the lead singer. Or if, if a band breaks up because the drummer had an alcohol problem and the bass guitarist got convicted of a crime and went to jail, everybody's going to remember that lead singer as someone who flamed out, not the band. Uh, it's the same thing. And that's, and that's, so I don't, so I don't necessarily feel bad for him, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, do I think it's all warranted? No, not at all. But I don't think it's all warranted. Like Tom Brady Super Bowls, it's, it's not all on Tom Brady's shoulders, those, all those Super Bowl wins, but that's, the business that's the game of football is the quarterback is always going to be in the center of attention when there's success the quarterback is going to get the credit when there's uh failures the quarterback is going to get the blame you have very few uh, examples of that not happening uh the buccaneer super bowl is one of those examples nobody looks at brad johnson and says that dude won the super bowl for the tampa Bay buccaneers even though he contributed more than most people give him credit for but then i've heard people argue about how Joe Flacco is is one of the better quarterbacks of his generation because of his super, like get out of here. Um, so it goes both ways, Chef. I understand your frustration. Uh, I think the first problem you have in your frustration is listening to Steve Smith talk about anything uh, other than himself. And number two is you just got to you just got to wrap your head around what the quarterback life is, and that's exactly what it is. All right. Well, let's get over to the next caller. What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. I wanted to ask you guys' opinion on how do you think O.J. Howard will fit into a Bruce Arians slash 
Byron Leftwich offense because I was kind of thinking, and I don't know the Arizona Cardinals offense too well, especially in the last you know decade or so, but I don't remember Bruce Arians ever really having like a top tight end, top NFL tight end. Maybe I'm wrong or remembering wrong, but I just wonder, like, is it because of, you know, he's just not really, he wasn't really the type to use the tight end, or did he just never have a tight end quite like O.J. Howard? And same goes for Byron Leftwich, even though I know he has a smaller sample size than Bruce Arian does. Just wanted to like, hear you guys' thoughts on that. Thanks. All right, Tyler, good to hear from you, buddy. Um, real quick. David, I, I think it's pretty simple. He didn't have, he's never had a tight end like OJ Howard. I mean, tight ends like OJ Howard do not come around very often. So I think Bruce and, and Byron are going to sit down and they're definitely going to make sure that, that OJ is an integral part of the offense. But going back, I mean, Bruce Arians was part of offenses that had Dallas Clark at tight end and Heath Miller in Pittsburgh. So, you know, he, he's been able to utilize tight ends when he's had some in Arizona. He didn't really have that kind of tight end. So he didn't, he didn't utilize him. He, you know, he schemes to the strengths of his players. He said it over and over tight end wasn't a strength. So the tight end wasn't nearly as involved. Um, I don't think there's going to be much, if any drop off for OJ Howard, the guy I've said it over and over and over. He's a human mismatch. And Bruce Arians is not going to overlook that. He's not going to let Byron Leftwich overlook overlook that. Um, yeah, there OJ will be just fine. Yeah, I think if anything, we'll see a lot more of OJ uh, split off the line versus lining up uh, in line than than anything. But um, yeah, they're they're going to get him involved. I'm not really worried about it. As far as like your fantasy team, I don't know. I'll draft him. Um, but I can't, you know, make any promises on fantasy football stuff. So, I'm I'm a tight end streamer, so I probably won't draft him. Yeah, that's one that's one way to go too. But yeah, everything James just said times two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that is going to pretty much do it for us on time. Unfortunately, we not we did not get to all of the voicemails, so we will finish those out probably on Friday's episode. Sounds like we are going to have a guest for tomorrow's episode. If not, we'll get the voicemails knocked out then. But if if we're able to have this guy on, then we will we will finish out the voicemails to end the week. But you can still send yours in to 813-444-5841. But we promise the, the voicemails that we didn't get to today, we will finish before the week is up. Please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at bucksnation.com. We have started our free agent spotlight series. We are going to feature one free agent that the Bucks should, could, would be interested in leading all the way up to the day the free agency officially kicks off. So make sure you're checking those out every single day over at bucksnation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked on Box.